You're listening to MeSearch, a podcast featuring Filipino perspectives. In this show, we talk to trailblazers, business leaders, and bosses in the community to find out more about what they do. Join us as we learn and get to the bottom of things. Stay tuned. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Crystal. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. I know. I feel like every single time we do this is going to be sing-songy, so I apologize. No, I'm I'm here for it. You have range, boo, and this is part of your range. (laughs) The talent. It's very much. It's very much in the soft palette (laughs) behind the soft palette. (laughs) Shout out to Glenn. Oh, oh man. man, that's funny. <laughs> well, y'all, in this episode, we're going to be talking about trust. Ooh, trust. Ooh. Why do you think trust building is so important, Boo? I th- I think trust is important, particularly in organizations, because how can you get work done with a team without actually trusting that that other person is going to do their job correctly? Mm-hmm. What about you? What do you feel? Yeah, you well, along those same 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 sentiments and, you know, trust, I, this is so cliche, right? But trust is mm-hmm. a building block uh, to any relationship, whether it be professional or personal. Um, and trust is the building block of progress, you know? Mm. You have to be able to feel like you can walk hand in hand with somebody if you're going to take a step forward. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, it's vital in any kind of relationship, professional, again, professional or personal. Um, And within the community, we have to, um, we have to trust each other and and know that we're putting in the work to uplift one another and to, um, move our our culture and our people forward. So, um, yeah, trust is is important in 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 all relationships. So yeah, um, and trusting in yourself. Yeah. Hey, Crystal. Yes. I trust you. Hey, Dustin. Yeah? I trust you. <laughs> I'm glad we trust each other, Boo. Yeah, I mean, me too. <laughs> I don't think we would if... <laughs> this would not be a successful show if we didn't trust each other. This would be other. like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Aww. speaking about trust, we are, uh, we've got someone really great to talk to about trust and trust building, particularly within the Filipino-American community, uh, Philippine community in general. So on the show, we're talking to Dr. Dominic Loriano, who is a higher education professional. We'll be talking to him about his personal experiences in Filipino student organizations, in cultural groups, in his community, as well as his own research on how Filipino leaders build trust. So this is going to be a great episode. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Okay, hello, we are here. Welcome, Dr. Dominic Loriano, (laughs) higher education professional. Welcome, and also uh, one of my BFFs from college. (laughs) 
Oh, thank you. Yeah. We're so happy I'm to so have happy. you here. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Dominic is like one of the most joyful people like I've ever met <laughs> in Aww. life. Um, so if you don't know Dominic, y'all about to know today. <laughs> Get to know him. Get to know him. So, Dr. Dominic Loriano, I like to mm-hmm. say that because I'm so proud of you. <laughs> um, so, Dominic, you're a fellow higher education professional and active member of uh, Filipino student organizations and cultural groups in Southern California. Can you talk to us a little bit about your background and how you developed your expertise in leadership development and how you got here? Sure, Dr. Domingo. <laughs> Doctors in the house, what up? Yes. Um, so I guess just to explain that, I went, we, we were in the same program, right? We were both in the education doctor program. Yes. So now we're both doctors. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess starting with my background, being a Filipino in America is uh, an experience that I believe is similar to other people of color. We all share something of a complicated past and sometimes a devastating past um, that we have to acknowledge and contend with in the present and somehow be hopeful of the future. And how I think about that is that the story our generation often tells is that Our parents come to the United States because they want a better opportunity for themselves and their family. And it is the same United States that was our oppressors for a long time and colonized us. And we have to grapple with that as a a Filipino American. And yet at the same time, I'm so grateful to be here and the opportunities that I've been given and the privileges that I have by living here. And uh, in terms of my involvement in the Philippine American community, uh, I really became involved when I was an undergraduate student at UC Riverside. Um, I joined Katipunan Filipino Student Organization and there I met so many wonderful people and learned so much about Philippine culture. And then after I completed my undergraduate, I moved to San Diego for my first higher education job as an admissions counselor. And I was searching for a way to continue to be involved in the Philippine American community. So since it was in San Diego, uh, one of my friends recommended that I joined, uh, that I joined Pasaka, Philippine Performing Arts Company. Um, again, there I met amazing and brilliant people and they helped me learn about Philippine culture through a different lens of music and dance. And that has been rewarding and still continues to be rewarding. Sometimes I try to go back there and perform with them, just as long as it's choreography I'm familiar with and that I can do. Um, And then I guess my experience in terms of leadership started when I was in high school, when a college counselor told me I needed, (laughs) I need extracurricular and leadership uh, in order to submit my applications to college. So then I joined BAN, I joined Red Cross, uh, CSF, the California Scholarship Federation um, in tennis, and I held leadership positions in all those besides tennis. I wasn't good in tennis. I was in tennis because BAN didn't count as a sport. (laughs) 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 
When I was in Katipunan, I was president and then also co-president of Filipino Studies Collective. And then I only recently started to understand leadership from an academic lens when I was in the education doctorate program. That program allowed me to meet many leaders, both instructors and students um, in the education field, as well as Philippine American community leaders. Ah. I'm so glad we went to undergrad together and graduate school. <laughs> I've had so many years of Dominic Loriano. It's amazing. <laughs> Y'all better be jealous. I'm jealous. <laughs> I think it's really great that you've been so involved in the community yeah. for a good chunk of your life now. Not to say that you're old, but... Um, I'm old. I mean, I'm older than you. So, But, but still, it's, it's so great to see such dedication... Um, inside and outside of school to support and uplift the the Filipino American community um, mm-hmm. and to learn more about the culture in general. I think that's great. Thanks. Crystal? Before you got to college, um, what was your involvement with the Filipino community? Mm-hmm. So prior to college, um, I would say in high school, I was aware of other Filipinos, but I didn't understand what Really, truly, I'm still understanding what Philippine culture is, but really had a grasp of even the surface of Philippine culture. Um, in, co- in high school, I just knew that there are other brown people, and I'm going to hang out with the other brown people, and I had Filipino friends, right? Probably a more diverse group of friends, but I, I uh, gravitated towards other Filipino people. And I would say elementary and middle school, I think... Uh, we all have that story where we are ashamed of the food that we bring, right? Uh-huh. When you're a kid, because it has fish or it smells funny because it has patis. And um, I have that same exact story where um, I had, I, I don't even know what it was. It probably was a double and I was just ashamed eating it. And I, and it just looking back on it now, I feel like, oh, why, why did I feel ashamed? Like at that, it's such a horrible feeling to be ashamed of that. Um, but that's, that was just my mindset as a kid. And that's growing up where you don't see your culture in the school besides maybe one or two other people. That's the feeling I had. And so having organizations that expose not just adults, but kids as well to Philippine culture and teaching them you know, it's, you shouldn't be ashamed of your culture. You shouldn't be ashamed of, like, uh, your food. You should do the opposite. You should celebrate it, I think, is very important. We know from your research and personal experience that you've developed expertise specifically in how Filipino leaders build trust. How do Filipino leaders build trust? Speaking to a to a former president of Katipunan. Ooh. Hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, so so in in terms of my research, I studied how Filipino American nonprofit leaders build trust with their staff and volunteers. And my, my findings are ultimately what you would expect of a nonprofit leader or a nonprofit organization and a nonprofit leader is that the leader should demonstrate their abilities, find common ground, treat others with respect, invite feedback, build and maintain relationships, right? 
that's what you ex would expect of a leader who's trying to build trust. And there were actually 12 major findings, um, but those are just a handful of them from my study. And the way Philippine culture ties into that is that, or at least one way is that <clears throat> the categories can, the, the findings can be categorized into uh, main, main factors. Um, one is emotional and one is rational, uh, meaning that leaders should have rational factors such as being competent as a leader and having actions that are consistent. And the emotional factors are things as such, such as having concern for your members and staff and being honest. And what I found is that the Philippine American nonprofit leaders more frequently reference emotional factors. Um, and so a possible explanation is that the Philippine American community uh, is more relation, re relationally oriented as opposed to analytically oriented. And that's not to say that like building trust only relies on emotional factors. In terms of being a leader, you still need to demonstrate competence, but in terms of the Philippine American community, to us, and I would say other Southeast Asian communities, uh, the concept of emotion, showing concern, showing care, um, being honest is, has uh, a bigger impact in terms of building trust. And I would say examples of that from the participants in the study is that before they would hold a meeting, it, would hope it was important to them that there was a time to talk, to catch up, to chismis, to have food because people brought in food or if someone is selling or celebrating your birthday or graduation, um, you, not, you don't just give them a card, you celebrate with them. If they're having a party, you're going to that party, you're gonna get a plate of Filipino spaghetti and lumpia. And the same is true of the opposite. If someone is dealing with the loss of a loved one, you don't just give them a card and flowers, you're also grieving with them. And that, that is important, at least to what the participants expressed when I was interviewing them. And um, this is probably similar with all other communities, but sharing a meal was a very important part of building trust with the Philippine American community. And sharing a meal or having a drink together um, was mentioned by all the participants. And I think that's just something that <laughs> humans or in life in general, sharing a meal together is important, especially if the person making the meal for you has made those considerations of, oh, this person doesn't like their food too salty, so I'm gonna use less salt, or like my child likes my food to be a little bit sweeter, so you're putting a little bit extra sugar in it, right? You're, you're using it as a love language, basically, and helping oh. to build trust. Food is definitely my love language. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 100. Family parties, it's like, you know, of course, we're going to, like, hit them with, like, all the foods, you know, like, it's like, here <laughs> is so much food that you can eat, you know, like, it's it's very expected. So, like, I remember, like, going to, like, my first non-Filipino party, and I was like, um, where's the food? <laughs> I don't understand this. I didn't. It's like finger foods. It's like, where's the actual 
I literally didn't eat before this, and I'm going to be here for three to four hours. What am I to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it's all good. If that's like, if that's your, you know, if that's your jam, like that's cool. But just mm-hmm. like coming from like the Filipino um, culture, it's like, that's just what I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. do you have any thoughts on like, why that is other than like i don't know that's just like what is the norm for us i i don't know if if there's any real answer to that other than that's what we that's just what we do but um yeah i don't know any any other thoughts if not it's okay also (laughs) no 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 i think you got it i mean so i i would say within southeast asian culture or maybe just asian culture in general um, there is a concept of family, right? So in a lot of Southeast Asian cultures, they like to use their last name first as opposed to their first name. So it just stresses the importance of family, mm-hmm. right? And so since the Philippines specifically is so family-oriented and everything is in regards mm. to the family, I believe that's why in terms of uh, the factors that are important, relationships are big with our community. In order to build trust in our our community, you need to build a relationship first. Well, not first, but because I don't want to disregard the fact that you need to be competent (laughs) and you need to have, like, understand what's going on. (laughs) If you don't have the confidence to keep this organization going, we're no longer going to be together. Now we're just eating. <laughs> Which, Which is, is cool, so but yeah. like we're but, here to know, do stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're still, we're here to promote and advocate yes. for our community, so we need to keep it going. Yes, but um, a part of that is that relationships mm. are important, and um, showing care and concern for others is important. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Do you find, as a leader in your own organization, that you're putting these things into practice, like maybe unconsciously? So uh, I want to say yes, but I also want to say that I feel like I was already doing a majority of those things to begin with. Um, But this study helped to validate that the actions that I was currently taking is, is building trust. It is something that other people are doing. It is what other leaders are doing to build trust and that I should continue to do those things and share that with others and encourage others to create connections in order to build trust. Have you encountered any um, any kind of difficulty in our community trusting one another? Yeah, so I think that's that's going into crab mentality, right? Mm, mm-hmm. um, and actually, you know what? Um, it, uh, until I joined Katipunan, I had no idea that there was this idea of crab oh. mentality. I just thought that, like, you know, the Filipino community was like all happy and you know everyone's <laughs> best friends. But you know that that's <laughs> we love each other. Me. <laughs> Well, I mean, that that's really pr- pretty much the case with 
at least mm-hmm. in my view, with everything. Nothing is it always inherently good or inherently bad, right? There's always two sides or maybe even more sides uh, to a story. And unfortunately, as I was interviewing um, some of the participants, um, <laughs> I-, I could tell that their answers were sort of reflecting the idea of crab mentality. And I, I can't really mention their example specifically because then I feel like that would reveal the organization. But um, it, it was evident in the responses that we're still facing those challenges. We're, we're still trying to get over them. But I believe something that's hopeful is that I interviewed a wide variety of participants. I know it was only 10, but there were also some young leaders, right, who are millennials. And those concepts, those ideas of crab mentality and the idea that we're bringing each other down and that a person can't be successful on their own if they don't do one of the top three of like engineer, lawyer, or doctor, that's fading away, right? With younger generations, at least from what I had in that study, they're trying to get rid of those stereotypes. They're trying to get rid of that and present our culture in a more positive light, which is what I think it deserves to be presented as. So since your time as a leader in Katipunan and now as a doctor, um, an expert in, in um, you know, Filipino orgs and like how we um, commune with one another, can you, can you talk about any um, progress or changes that you've seen over time through these organizations and just through our community? Yeah, so... <clears throat> I would have to say, like, before I joined Katipunan, I had a very poor mindset of the world, and I would say um, very (laughs) exclusive um, ideology. And as I've, as by joining Katipunan um, and just learning more about trust and leadership, I believe that Um, at least for me personally, my ideas of inclusivity and being more accepting of other people and their lifestyle choices and who they love um, is becoming more prominent in my mindset where I I have to second guess myself and think like, um, is what I'm thinking prejudiced to anyone in any way and if it is, I just, um, I need to remove that from the way I think. And I feel like that's something that's happened within the Philippine American community as well, because um, I, I, felt, I feel like in general, the Philippine American community is used to be very conservative. But basically as a kid, I was grown up as a, as a Catholic and as a very strong Catholic and strong Catholic in my views. And the also is very conservative views and not so much inclusive. Um, And so I feel that one, the Philippine American community has become more inclusive. um, And I don't know if that is 
voluntarily or just because that's what society is telling people to do, but it's happening and I think the change is good. The other thing is that I feel that more younger people are becoming more confident in their voice, right? Um, often we, um, we defer to our elders and they get the ultimate say, right? But um, I feel that younger people are understanding their voice more and understanding that their opinion matters. And I feel that more adults are understanding that their children and younger generation have opinions that matter. And while still being respectful, our voices can still be heard. We love to see it. We love to see it. <laughs> um, so Dominic, we've had a really great discussion so far about um, kind of the evolution of Filipino organizations, student organizations, your experiences with those communities, um, your research on trust building, leadership development, and your personal uh, opinions on crab mentality and so forth. With all of that in mind, what do you feel like are some tips or calls to actions you would like our listeners to take from our conversation so far? Yeah, so um, if you have the ability and the financial means, I think it would be a great idea to contribute to the literature and research on Filipinos and Filipinos, Filipino Americans. Um, and I, I get that it is a privilege to pursue higher education because not it's not always feasible in terms of financial situation, but if you have that ability and you have that opportunity, contribute to the research and literature on Filipino studies because there's not a lot out there and it would help um, to see more of it out there. Again, take space and make space because there's a limited amount of research and we need more of it and a greater presence in the academic community. Um, and then this is completely unrelated to my research, or I guess it is related, but um, a call to action to learn to love and trust yourself. Because if, if you're gonna try to gain the trust of others and you can't trust yourself, it's going to be extremely difficult to gain that trust and maintain that trust. And not knowing your own self-worth is gonna get in the way of that. Um, and also know too that it's an ongoing process. Um, it's not just something that you automatically learn to trust yourself and trust others. It's something that you invest in, right? So like um, the plant's not gonna keep growing if you don't water it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen to all of that. Wise words. Wise words, y'all. I know all of us had a plant, especially during 2020. <laughs> and I think many of us know that if you don't water your plants, they will die. And if you don't take yeah. care of them and, and specific plants in a specific way, they will die. So as the doctor said, y'all need to water this. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I don't know why that metaphor came into my head. But I am the worst caretaker of plants. <laughs> so 
I have one plant right now because my friend challenged me by giving me the plant and said, don't let it die. So I was like, okay, I will care for this one plant and not let it die. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Before we close out, Dominic, what kind of plant was that? Um, uh, ooh, it's, <laughs> I don't know the name of the plant. I'm sorry. All right. Mistake number one. You got to know what kind of plant you have in order to know what kind of care to give it. (laughs) Bringing it back around. I love these real world applications. (laughs) I I have a pet dog and he's alive. So I think that was a harder challenge. Shout outs to to the pet dog, Professor Oak. Shout outs to Professor Oak. I I think Professor Oak is listening to this podcast right now. (laughs) Professor Oak is such a cute guy. BT dubs. Yeah, oh. we love we love Professor Oak. Thank you, thank you. He he's um he's getting neutered oh, tomorrow. <laughs> Good luck, pup. Good luck, pup. Um, so like if if someone doesn't feel as confident in writing and research about Filipino studies, where can one find opportunities to be a participant? That's a great question. Uh, you know what I. Uh, in Facebook groups <laughs> that I'm involved in, there's sometimes people who will post invitations mm-hmm. to participate in the study, but also to, um, if you want to participate in a study, there is a new center, I believe at, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I think it's UC Davis. I think it's called the Bulasan Center. That's yes. It, yeah. Yes. Yes. Reach out to them because it is a department on Philippine American studies or specifically Philippine studies. And mm-hmm. if you want to be a participant or want to find out a way to contribute, maybe that's a good place to start. Ooh. I would also add, as a fellow researcher, I would also add, you know, make yourself available because Ooh. I feel like mm-hmm. the more the more people who find themselves in uh, academia doing research pertaining to Philippine experiences, Filipino-American experiences, like they will come to you. They will find a way. They will find a way to <laughs> to contact you. Please just say yes. Please say yes and participate. Yes. Oh, they will yes. find you. They will find you. It's not going to be, um, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. Say yes to the research request. <laughs> say yes to yes. the research. It's research very is happening. To the researcher to ask for participants because you want <laughs> you don't want to you want to put yourself out there and everyone says no. <laughs> I'll also say if you're if you're a member of any Filipino student org or any Filipino cultural org in your community, like they will find you. They will find you. (laughs) The researchers will find you. That's like the first place they will check. So if you're a member, you know, just keep an eye out. Read your emails. Read your emails. (laughs) Read your emails, y'all. Yes, read your emails. Even your clutter email or junk email. Just make sure. Anyway, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Dominic, we are so happy that you were able to join us and to chat with us. We value your time and your insight. And this was such a wonderful conversation. Y'all, this was Dr. Dominic Loriano. Yeah. What a nice dude, huh? I really appreciate Dr. Dominic. 
He's such a nice guy. I really enjoyed yeah. our our conversation with him. It was very enlightening and and also Professor Oak is a cutie pie. I'm glad he made a little cameo uh during yeah. our interview <laughs> with Dominic. <laughs> what a cutie pie. Shout out. I love that dog. Shout I love out. That dog. Shout out. What a cutie pie. Um Yeah. But yeah, so takeaways, boo. Which which what did you take away from our wonderful conversation with Dr. Dominic? Well, first, my first initial thought was, wow, like this dude has grown um a lot. I'm very proud of him. Like we talked about in the actual conversation Dominic and I go way back. We went to undergrad together then graduate school. Um granted though, he was much more responsible as an undergraduate student than me. <laughs> um but Nonetheless, like he has, he has grown so much. Very proud of that guy. Um, in terms of what we talked about and trust and whatnot, my takeaway from that conversation um, and something that really stood out to me was when Dominic said, you have to be able to love and trust yourself first and foremost, especially if you are um, leading an organization or like managing a team, right? Mm-hmm. Because how can you expect other people to believe in you if you do not have that same belief and trust in yourself. I feel like that's that's super obvious, but also a very good reminder because it's very easy to second guess yourself, to not believe that you can do it, to feel like you're not enough. And like you always say, Crystal, like you are enough. Like if you're listening to this, you're enough. Mm -hmm. Right. And, it's it's good to know that someone who has done the research on trust and effective leadership development that coming from an academic standpoint he is like reaffirming like you have to trust and love yourself first and foremost yes and you know <laughs> back to colonial mindset um <laughs> because yeah. that is the crux where everything stems from <laughs> that is yes um also, because the way that society is set up, we are we are bombarded with so much media and so much stuff that makes us feel like we are unworthy and that there's always something that we need to fix about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, that isn't true. I mean, if you feel like there's something that you need to improve on in your own personal life and within yourself, then absolutely. But, you know, make that make that assessment on your own and don't put it up against what society and media is telling you you should be like and what, you know, what specific um, accomplishments you should, you know, have under your belt to feel like you're worthy and whatnot. Um, yeah, cut that noise. Cut it. Cut it. Don't talk to me. As the <laughs> kids say. I don't even know what that is. So there's like this TikTok trend, right? Okay. <laughs> <Where> <laughs> Tell us about they do it. this thing where they, um, it's, I don't even know what the song is, but mm-hmm. they, they, uh, they sing over this song where the lyric is don't talk to me. And then it's over like this text on top of the video where it's like, you don't want to talk to this particular group. Like, Oh, you don't like tacos. Don't talk to me. (laughs) Yeah, It's dumb. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. (laughs) Hey, 
bringing that Boo, up. Boo, you're so hip that you know I'm, that. And I'm yeah, here you know, for it. Hip and happening. You're hip, hip and happening. And you're keeping it youthful. And I love it. I love it. Thank you. Um, tell us about it. Our, um, <laughs> our demographic that is within our age range, I'm sure, really appreciates this knowledge. <laughs> yeah. The, 20, the 24 to 35, something yeah. like that. 20, 25 to 35. Oh, my God. Don't um, leave me out, boo. You just we- did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Look what he did, y'all. No, I'm so sorry. No, no but you know I was what? referring it's fine. to... You can say that, but guess what? I love myself, and I that is too. okay. <laughs> I was I was simply referring to <laughs> our <kidding>. analytics <laughs> that says the majority of our listeners are between the ages of twenty four to thirty four or twenty five to thirty five. Okay, yes, it is just factual. there are amazing people of all age groups <laughs> listening to this podcast and hosting this podcast. Yes. You are amazing. Thank you. I'm just totally messing with you. I'm just totally messing with you. Um, but so what are what are some of your takeaways? So, you know, like I this is also like a, a little bit of like a obvious takeaway because I have also read, you know, books uh, that have been published by professors and researchers about um, our community and our psychology Um but, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of refreshing to know that, again, that there are people out there that are, um, doing this type of academic research on our community and specifically pertaining to how we, um, come together to find progress in our culture and how we are fostering leadership within our community he brought up a point of you know in his call to action to engage in that if you are inclined and able to do so we definitely need more folks to be on the ground and um, keeping eyes on what we're doing um, and how we're doing and even more so if you're not if you're not the academic type to dive into this kind of work and you know, if you're not like the best writer, because, you know, this is a lot of writing, y'all. <laughs> yeah. And there's a ton of people who aren't like, who are intimidated, intimidated to write and to even like dive into this kind of critical um, research. And that's totally fine. But making yourself available, getting yourself involved with organizations that could contribute to this kind of research um is so important and so that's my takeaway like really just get in there and get involved in in this um discovery and excavation of who we are as a community right now and moving forward and of course like how we've gotten to this this space that we are in right now yeah it's not hard y'all just tell your stories yeah when just tell your, upon, stories. tell your stories yeah. And they're worth it. They're worth yes. talking about. We need all these stories so we know what's up, you know? Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Me Search is produced and hosted by Dustin Domingo and Crystal Tugatti. 
Editing by Dustin Domingo. If you enjoy me search, make sure to share, subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to check us out at mesearchpodcast.com and follow us at mesearchpodcast. We're going to get to the bottom of things. This is me search, folks. Woo!